Um, I want to take a second this morning, and I want to honor a friend of mine. Uh, completely surprised us this morning. My friend Will Day came uh, all the way from the state fairgrounds this morning as he moved in his camper uh, for the month of, basically the month, right? And uh, he's just kind of showed up here and surprised us this morning. I am so thankful, Will that you came. I am so grateful that, that, that you came, and hopefully next week we can get uh, the rest of the family, right? So, as they went back home for the weekend. Uh, so, Will is here with the camper. But um, how many of you, we've, this is our final week of the Level Up series. I got to tell you, I was telling uh, Jamie this morning as I was putting in my notes, uh, I said, this might be my favorite message, my favorite sermon series that we have done to date. It's been the most challenging. It's been the one that has spoke to my heart more. It has completely made me go out of here every week and, and think about what God is calling us to, what God is calling us up out of, what God's calling us to. And, and I think this might be one of the most poignant sermon series that we've ever had because we have talked about going since we've moved into this building, getting the next step, getting more traction, right, going on. And this is that level up piece. And, and so we're going to wrap it up today. And uh, uh, it's, it's probably the least popular, uh, maybe second least popular, because uh, some of you think fasting is persecution. But, uh, uh, right, some of you are pretty sure that fasting is persecuting uh, you. But we're going to talk a little about, about persecution um, today. And we're going to talk really not about persecution, because i got to be honest, none of us know much about it around here, do we, Pastor? We live some pretty good lives. And, uh, not a, not a, but what we're going to talk about is preparing. Because that's really what leveling up leads us to. It leads us to a life that's prepared. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But um, as in constant Kelly form, I was thinking this past week or two um, about being prepared. And I thought about bringing like one of those prepper things with me. You know, the prepper buckets or one of those. I, I get pretty... I kind of laugh at those, but uh, I think they're kind of funny. But I thought about this more importantly. Some of you know the last week, um, Heidi and I experienced some form of persecution. Um, my two nephews and my niece came here for a week. It was constant persecution day in, day out. And uh, it, was, it was rough. Uh, but <laughs> let me just tell you guys, it's been a while since we've had a child in our house. Um, it's been never since we've had three children in our house. And uh, so it's been really a, a little bit different for us, uh, right? Um, I'm, not allowed to, I'm not allowed to use the belt. I'm allowed to threaten with the belt. Uh, but I was, not, that's what I was specifically given those instructions. And uh, that might have been used, that threat may have been used once, twice, I don't know. Uh, but we spent in preparation for this past week, which was amazing. I do want to say that. Uh, we spent weeks getting ready. For this. No joke. This is, this is, we spent weeks getting ready for these kids to come. Heidi, Heidi is like, Heidi is like prepping every room. I mean, these dudes are rough, so she's really prepping. I mean, she's like battening down the hatches, right? She's getting to make sure every kid, so if you've been in our house, we're not exactly like a kid's house, right? We're just not. We don't, we don't have kids, so, um, and so she's like getting every room ready. She's getting, she's got this great place to sleep. Uh, the boys share a room at home, but you know, we wanted to make sure they had their own room. So she's like, each room is getting new sheets. I mean, she's going crazy. Amazon's cart was just wild during that week, right? <laughs> this, this week's leading up to there. She's got me out there with dust cloths. I'm like, you know, she's got me with a mop, a dust cloth, vacuum. I mean, I'd never vacuumed so much in my life, right? I mean, you'd have, you'd have thought Jesus himself was coming to visit, but I mean, she's got me. She's got me cleaning like nobody's business. She's like, I think we should paint. I'm like, they're 10, 12, and 15. They don't know. And, you know, so, so we're doing all this. Then, then, then she's like, we got to go get groceries. I'm like, we got groceries, right? We got groceries. And she's like, no, no. I mean, this is, this is amazing. Lily, I bet you, were, well, you didn't get to experience it. But Lily always accuses our house of having space food. Uh, because we, we, we do eat a lot of protein bars and protein shakes and, and, and things like that. I don't look like it, but we do. And, and so, so Heidi's like, we have got to go to the grocery store. What does that mean? I'm like, what does that mean, go to the grocery store? And then I thought I had hit pay dirt. Heidi is throwing Doritos in there. She's throwing Cheetos. She's throwing cookies. I mean, there's popsicles. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've died and gone to heaven. I'm like, these guys got to live here. Right? I mean, I've never... I've, 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 
I'm sorry you weren't there for it. I mean, we had... Now, I will tell you, there's a thing called dill pickle Doritos. That's a little weird, but we had them. They were good. And they were really good. She makes a list. She's got a list of things we're going to do, right? We, we're going to the Iowa Cubs game. Um, you know, Uncle Kelly has to get his work out of him, so we made a trip to the dump cleaning Uncle Kelly's garage, right? I got to get a little free labor out of this stuff, right? We went school shopping. We we're going to go school shopping, movie day, you know, pool, trip to the pool. If you haven't been to the Altoona Aquatic Center, it's pretty cool. Um, and, and a trip to our hometown. She literally made a home trip to our hometown just to get ice cream for these kids, to make their dad jealous. I mean, I'm like, that's wrong. But yeah, seriously, that's, it, yeah, yeah. Even a trip to those uh, who are Pella fans, we made a trip to the, the bakery in Pella, so to the Yarsma Bakery. And uh, this is how much we even prepped. She moved me out of my office and made me sit up in the living room on a little tiny table so they could have my, my, my room, my office, for them to sleep in. I'm like, these little punks. You know, what the matter with them? She bought extra furniture? I'm not kidding. This is just wild. And, uh, and, 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 and then on my part, I just prayed and studied that I wouldn't kill these kids, right? Um, like, God, give me, give me the wisdom. Give me the, you know, give me the self-control. You know, I was practicing fruits of the Spirit. I was going through them, you know, Pastor. I'm like, hey, and the last one was self-control. And I'm like, God, you're just going to have to handle that one because these, these guys are rough. And uh, so we did all this, though so that we could have one great week. This is the first time in their lives they've ever spent a week with Uncle Kelly and Aunt Heidi, between being 15, 12, and 10. And uh, so it was really important to us, right? We, were, we really, really wanted it to be memorable. We wanted it to be successful. We wanted them to have a great experience. And um, I can say, after dropping them off in... Wichita, Kansas, yesterday, that we survived. And they went home with a ton of stuff. And, uh, and my bank account a lot less after that week. And, uh, but, but here's a couple of things. You know, when we looked at it, the house is still in one piece, believe it or not. There are extra Nerf darts. We've already found them. <laughs> Giving a 12-year and a 10-year-old Nerf guns, probably not my smartest thing, but uh, we did. And uh, I, I can say that the kids got back to their parents intact. But i got to be honest, none of that would have happened if we hadn't been prepared. Because if I had just brought these, these dudes into my house, uh, I would have had to go live with somebody else. I'm not kidding. It would have been wild. Uh, but uh, So the Bible constantly talks about being prepared. And some of you may miss that. It's, it's full of examples and stories of being prepared for what is coming. And, and that's really what we're going to talk about today. Um, we see Noah. He prepares for the flood by building the ark. I mean, I'm thankful we didn't have to build an ark this week, Heidi. No, no ark was needed. Moses spends years in the desert learning how to lead sheep so that he can lead a million people out of Israel or out of Egypt. He's getting prepared. Joshua spends years under Moses learning how to lead the people of Israel. He didn't just jump in, to, in the saddle one day, right? He didn't just jump in there. David fights a bear and a lion in preparation to be able to fight Goliath. Esther was prepared by Mordecai, for the Bible says, for such a time as this. And I got to tell you, we walk around so frequently not being prepared. Our heads are stuck in the clouds of, the, of, of what life can be like. And we're surprised when it smacks us in the mouth. You know, I'm always surprised by that. Because the common thing, when you look at each and every one of these people, is that God had prepared them ahead of time for a situation that would arise. Whatever it was, he didn't just throw them into the deep end. He had them prepared. But here's the cool thing about them. They embraced the preparation. They embraced what God was doing, not knowing what he was doing, but believing that God had a plan for them. Sometimes we forget that God has a plan for us, so we're not prepared we just ready to let it all happen. 
So that's really what we're going to talk about, and that's what this whole series has been about. If you look back, guys, at the last couple months, all of these sermons lead up to this. All of these lessons lead up to being prepared for persecution. I read this this week, and I loved it. It says, if you are standing still, you're actually going backwards. So if you're not leveling up, what are you doing? You're leveling down. I think it comes pretty accurate to us as Christians, isn't it? If you get stagnant, if you stand still, what do you think is going to happen? Hence, we need to level up. True walk with Christ requires that we continually go deeper with him. Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 2 and 3, a really famous verse but I'm going to say it to you with a little bit of conviction today. Because as I look around, I hope this doesn't apply to you. Was that the political way to say it? I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. You are all still controlled by your sinful nature, and you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Don't, doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Are you living like people of the world? Because Paul understood that these people hadn't leveled up. They weren't ready. Did you catch that part, what he said? They weren't ready. And I look back at the first church in Acts. They took some, they took some, they took some abuse. They took some persecution. And you know what? They were ready. We wonder why how these, we think they're super people. They're not super people. They were just prepared people. They were prepared for the persecution that we, we go into there. And I got to be honest with you, as a church as in the United States, we don't understand persecution, do we really? We, but, 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 but maybe there's some things here I can help you understand. Because the Bible says we will face persecution. I got to tell you, I want to be prepared for that. What about you guys? Let me just tell you a few things about that because the world will hate what it doesn't understand what the world hates it tries to convict Jesus declared from his own mouth that people were going to hate you for his sake not because of anything that you did but because of him many parts of this world's already suffered but I'm telling you persecution is coming in this country if you're not watching right now we're losing more and more of that freedom we begin to talk about. We're swinging more and more to the left. We're losing more and more of the freedoms that we have made, built our country upon, what we've, we've become so easily restful upon. We've rested on that freedom, thinking that everything will just be okay. And it's lulled us into a passive state as Christians. It's lulled us in there. And i got to be honest with you, though. Persecution, we always want to talk about death. We always want to talk about physical pain. But it can look different for each of us. I want you to think about some of the things that will begin to, to happen. We're going to lose the rights that we so treasure. We'll lose relationships. Some of us might even lose income over it because we stand for what we believe. Some of you are going to lose loss of status. People won't look at you the same anymore. And i got to be honest, all of these are covered in the Bible. Every single one of them. But persecution can look different for each and every one of us. But if we're ready, if we're prepared, it won't rock our world. It won't shake us that we'll be able to stand, much like these believers we're going to talk about today in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. So if you have your, your Bible, if you'll turn with me in there to Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, we'll have it up here for you. Uh, I, I'm going to believe I'm reading everything out of the New Living Translation. Uh, there may have been a couple of times this week that there were kids in my desk, and uh, I may have missed the translations as I was, I was going. So there might be a little, uh, little bit scattered in here, but everything up here will be in the New Living Translation. So it says, Saul, one of the witnesses, this was to Stephen's death, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles. 
were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out the men to throw them into men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered. Now they didn't say they didn't escape persecution. It says they were scattered. Preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I want to focus in a lot on that verse today as we go forward. But let's pray. Father, I just praise you. I thank you for each and every person that's here today, God. I thank you for the ears that are here to listen today to your word, God, to your voice, God. I pray that it would, would convict us, God. I pray that it would encourage us, Lord. I pray that it would be a lasting word in our heart today as we prepare to level up with you, Father. Lord, to, to take it to the next deeper level, to know you more, to love you more, Father, to depend upon you more. God, I just praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I told you, this is about preparing our hearts. So when I got persecution, I was like, so just for those of you who need to know, Flanna, this was supposed to be Ted's message. And Ted said, Kelly, you want to take this one? And I was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. I was, I was all excited when we were dividing them up, and he got persecution. I was like, sweet. Uh, and he's like, he called me a couple weeks ago. He goes, hey, with Vacation Bible School, could you help out? And I was like, oh. But I, and I thought about that, and I was like, persecution. And I'm like talking to Aaron, and for what? Persecution. And then it began, God just began to speak to my heart about the preparedness. And it was really how the first church reacted to, being, to facing persecution. And I, and I really, really wanted to dig into that. And I've got just a few things here today I want to share with you guys as we look at being prepared to live in persecution, whether it be what we see in other countries, whether what we begin to experience here in our own country, if we're prepared, we'll flourish just like the first church. We'll flourish just like that. So we're going to look at some of the things that, that they did. And the first thing we have to understand is that Jesus, excuse me, is that we must live our lives dependent on the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times we like to just let him in for a few minutes here on Sunday morning. But these people were prepared and they were dependent. If you read all between, between chapter 2 to chapter 8, you begin to find a people who are prepared. Multiple times throughout Acts, it says it was good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They were dependent upon him to lead and to guide their lives. But... When we think about this, one of the first things we need to, to be aware of is that Jesus was aware that the life he called us to would bring persecution. Now, John 15, 19 and 20 tells us that this would, uh, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. Don't you guys see that all the time? Well, if you just do it, we'll love you if you'll do it. We'll accept you. But here's what he says is, but you are no longer part of the world. Oh, I like that. I don't want to be a part of this world. I chose you. Ooh. How many of you thought you were just happenstance here this morning? But the word of God says, I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. And since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they, they would listen to you. Opposition and persecution should come as no surprise to the believer. Why are we so surprised that the world hates us, that the world thinks that we're a bunch of bigots, that we're a bunch of, 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 of haters? Jesus said they would. He said that they would distort that truth and hate us. 1 Peter 4.10, this is, this, is, this is Peter, Jesus' running buddy, if you will. It says, dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery trail, trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. And I, get, I put the wrong one in there. I'm so sorry, Andy, I put the wrong scripture there. But uh, I told you this week's been rough, guys. I, I felt the persecution this week. I wasn't prepared. Whew. But that, listen to what Peter's words are again. It says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you go through as if something strange was happening to you. Why are we so surprised? 
Why are we so surprised that the world comes against us? Why are we so surprised when they say, oh, you're haters? Oh, man, we're lovers. But they don't see that because they distort it. And here we are. We sit surprised. Satan, let me get to this. Let me, let me give you a little, little nugget of truth here. Satan does not want you to level up. He doesn't want you to go any deeper. And he uses the persecution and the opposition that you experience, that you feel, to distract you and keep you from going any deeper with the Father. How about that? He's a sneaky little fellow, isn't he? Because I tell you, we'd all be up in arms today. I'll be honest, right? If we really felt the, 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 the sting of persecution, we'd all be out there, guns in hand, right? We'd be out there protecting, fight. And yet Satan is just slowly worming his way in, isn't he? Taking away a little bit more rights, taking a little bit more of the freedom from us that we have rested on and not been prepared for, even though it's a promise that will come our way. Because Jesus knew when he told the disciples that they had to go and spread the good news, get this, to the world that they would face persecution, but he also knew that when they face persecution that they would need power. How about that? Who wants? Because i got to be honest, in my own self, I will crumble. I will crumble eventually. Right? Won't you? When we begin to face a little pressure, well, you know, let me step back here. You know, I'm not going not gonna to be quite as, as powerful. You know, it's, it's okay when I do it in myself. But this is what uh, Jesus said in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He told you, you're going to get persecuted, but he also said, you're going to go all over and you're going to spread the good news. Because without the Holy Spirit, some of you have heard me say this before, you're like a Corvette sitting in the garage with no gas. It ain't going anywhere, is it? The Holy Spirit is that juice to get us running. He's the power behind it. And let me tell you, we will need, and we need currently, the Holy Spirit to endure what's coming. What for some of us is coming. Anybody, I remember, you know, at work was I took a stand for Christ and and uh, I lived my life a certain way, right? And I can remember that. I can remember in elementary, not elementary, excuse me, junior high. Will and I, Will and I went to the same place, uh, much like east side of Des Moines. We, went, we grew up in Ottumwa. And uh, there were some rough characters there, right? And I used to, I used to really stand up, and, and uh, I, I, I would never curse. I know some people struggle with that. That was really never a struggle for me. Uh, I don't know why. Probably because my dad would have like made me eat seven bars of soap. I don't know. And he used the lava stuff. He didn't use any of that good smelling stuff, you know. And um, Will, can Will can attest to this. Uh, and uh, I remember these kids on the bus who would just do anything they could to make me curse. And it was for no other reason that they knew I was a Christian. And they would, they would just, I mean, hammer me. I mean, hammer me. Well, you probably had some experiences like that. Uh, we, we, that was a good group we grew up with. And, um, and, and you know, I'm thankful for the, the, the people that were in our lives. I'm thankful for the people who, who prepared us, who kept us strong. Um, because I wanted to spread the good news. And I knew I would need power. And I got to be honest, I broke a couple of times. I broke a few times. But I'll be honest with you. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit for when I did stand up. When I was able to stand. The Holy Spirit, as you look back through the, through the, through the book of Acts, was guiding the church. He was the power behind the church. He was the one behind the believers. These were just ordinary people. But listen to this. This is Stephen, who is facing the greatest persecution. Andy, I must have completely... I don't know. Maybe I did. We'll see. Anyways. I must have really had a rough morning. And uh, so when Stephen is facing death, 
Remember in the, part of, the first part of our scripture today, Acts chapter 8, says that Paul, Saul at the time, was there at Stephen's stoning. And he's facing stoning, and these are his words. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw glory, the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Because he was so focused, he was so endured with the Holy Spirit. He didn't realize the persecution that's really going on. Right, They're throwing stones at the dude. And what he's talking about, he's seeing Jesus. How many of us, when we get come against, see Jesus? How often are we focused in there? Stephen was able to endure because he kept his eyes on heaven and he was full of the Holy Spirit. We're not designed, guys, to go through this life without the Holy Spirit in our lives. You're not. This walk is not endurable. I don't know if that's a word, but you're not able to endure without the Holy Spirit. We go a different path than the rest of the world. That path they go is easy. The path we go is hard. And so we need power behind that. The first martyrs were able to endure because of their connection to the Holy Spirit. Because they weren't focused on the external. They were focused on the eternal. They were focused on what God had for them. Paul was able to endure countless persecutions. I should have probably put, wrote that down, but he was stoned three times, I believe it is. He was whipped with canes, I don't know how many times. He was, they tried to assassinate him on two different occasions. He was shipwrecked twice. He was stranded on a desert, you know, on an island. Uh, and yet, here is this guy who continues to talk about the goodness of God because he's no longer focused on the external of what's happening. He's focused on his eternal. Mm. I would say to you today that if you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you that opportunity today so that you can lead an empowered life, so that you can lead the life that Jesus called you to. Because listen to this. In Jesus' final instructions there in Acts 1.8, he told them, don't you leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you walk out of this room today without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you the truth. That's your choice. And you choose to go out unempowered. But if you want to be empowered, if you want to be able to stand up in the face of adversity, if you want to be able to stand when the pressure comes, I'm going to tell you, don't leave this room today until you have the, received the Holy Spirit. That is Jesus' words himself, not me. Now, our second thing that our church in, in Acts did that prepared them for what was coming, it was that they kept their eyes focused on heaven rather than earthly things. Oof. That's rough, isn't it? One of the easiest ways that we fall in the face of persecution is we lose our focus. i got to be honest with you, I might have a little ADHD. Those of you who have spent any time with me probably know that. It's like squirrel, you know. I mean, it, it, I'm wild, right? I mean, I just, I'm, I, I could probably be like a feral cat sometimes. I mean, I am, I'm kind of crazy, you know, when it comes to certain things. But Satan's biggest ploy, his biggest Thing that he tries to do to us is cause us to lose our focus. You know, even in the church that happens. You know, I think back a year ago, Vicki was reminding me this past week about that this was the week that we uh, took possession of the building. How awesome is that? One year, right? We're going to be excited. And, and, but listen, listen, I got to tell you, the week that we moved in was a stressful week. And Satan was trying to take our focus, my truly, yours truly here, uh, off of what we were about to, to step into. I was more worried about how in the world we are going to get pews carried out, how we were going to get carpet laid. Some of us were ready to, 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 to uh, you know, have it out with car, uh, you know, carpet layers and contractors, and, and we're losing our focus on what God was about to do in this neighborhood, right? What he was about to do through this church. And that's because that's what he does. I want you to think back to Adam and Eve, guys. Adam and Eve and how he made Adam and Eve lose their focus on their relationship with God. By putting a shiny little apple in front of them. 
And that's what happens to a lot of us. We lose the focus of the eternal because we become self-focused. Me, my, I. What are we going to do next week? We're going to check the eye at the door. And there's a reason I said that. Why we need to check that eye at the door. Because we cannot lose focus on the things of heaven. Could you imagine what the story would have looked like if Stephen, not full of the Holy Spirit, had lost focus on heaven? His focus was so good. His focus was so strong that he saw Jesus in the midst of a stoning. Anybody ever had been hit by a rock? Yeah. These ain't rocks these guys were throwing. They were throwing big old stones. And that is how he died. They threw rocks at him, stones at him, until he died. And yet what his focus was, was seeing Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Mm. Paul instructed the Philippian church to remember their heavenly citizenship over their earthly citizenship. These were Roman citizens. He's speaking to them really clearly as they faced persecution in the city because the, the, the Philippian church was facing the fact that they, they were losing people in Philippian or, or in Philippi from, from businesses. So he's taking away their business because God is becoming more and more centered up in there. So this is what Paul says. He says, above all things, you must live as citizens of heaven. Not citizens of Rome, not citizens of the church, but citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Now, now Paul gives you some hope here for persecution. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have not been given only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You may have seen my struggle in the past, and now, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Paul gives us a blueprint for how we can keep, be prepared for the persecution that's coming. Just like the Philippians, he wanted them to know this. We have to keep our standard set as being a citizen of heaven. I hear way too many people running around here talking about how offended they are. How, how somebody did them wrong. How this wasn't right. Man, that's not what a citizen of heaven would do. What does a citizen of heaven do? We sang about it today. All the saints in heaven cast their crowns. They didn't cast their, Jesus, he hurt me. Come on. Come on, church. Instead of being a church of saints, we're a church of wimps. But he also tells us we have to stand together. Because when we stand together, mm, he says, keep the purpose in front of us, all being of one purpose. And don't be intimidated or distracted from the call of the good news by those who oppose us. Hmm. When we stand in the face of persecution, when we stand, it, it throws the enemy off. It throws the enemy off. The Old Testament is full of stories of the army not doing a whole lot of anything, standing in the presence of God and their enemies being frightened. That's the kind of God I serve. I don't need to fight those battles. David continually goes through the psalm saying, God, fight my battles. David was a warrior. And he's saying, God, you fight my battles. Those who persecute me, you take care of it. I'll stand here and praise you. I was struck by that as I'm studying the psalms. Jesus told us in Matthew 5, 18, to let our good deeds shine for the whole world to see. Not when everything's going right. Not when everything is easy. All the time. Let the world see, because it frightens them. It frightens them of what is happening. Because, but the end result of that is, he said, those good deeds, that standing against, that standing in the face of persecution, would lead people to the Father. 
Come on, that's good stuff. That's, that's our purpose. That's our mission. Here's the next part that the church in Acts did to prepare for it. And Paul alludes to it just to the uh, uh, Philippians. He says, we must remember that we need each other. Hmm. I read a stat to our, our Sunday school class this morning. Does any, and I think Aaron's put this out before, but does anybody know what is considered good church attendance to the world right now? That you are a faithful attender? That you have not forsaken the gathering of, of the brothers? Two out of four, two out of every four. Huh. That's rough. And here Paul is, here we're being told not to forsake. Here's why. Because in Romans 12, 4, 5, he says this, he says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to one another. Jim Keller, you are a part of me. And when you are not here, I am not complete. Johnny, when you are not here, I am not complete. I need you. And I need you. And I need you. And I need you. And I need each and every one of you to be able to walk down this path. See, you were created to play a part in the journey together because it's not a singular journey. It's a journey that we take together. You have a place in this family. Apart from one another, we're incomplete. And I dare say it makes us handicapped in the mission that we were set out to accomplish. So when you're not here, when you're not here, when you're not here, when you're not together, when we're not doing this thing together, I'm incomplete. I'm not as strong as I can be. I always tell people that the best part of me is Heidi. And I'm incomplete when she's not here. I'm not nearly as wise. I'm, not nearly, I'm definitely not nearly as funny. Uh, she does laugh at my jokes. We're incomplete without each other. Each of you, no matter whether you think you have an insignificant role, has a role to play in the life, not just in the church. See, we generalize it. We generalize it by saying the church. You have a role in my life to help me be prepared for what's coming. I have a part in your life. The closer the return of Christ comes, the more we're going to need each other. Oh, Because the persecution is only going to get stronger. So let me tell you what Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. What? Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So the more, the closer he comes to coming back, the more I need you. John, I need you. I can't face what's coming if I don't have you. Because we walk this together. See, because our lives collectively together are what brings glory to Christ. Even in the middle of tribulation, even in the middle of opposition. Romans 5, 15, 5 and 6 says, May God who gives the patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other. And is fitting for the followers, get this, for the followers of Christ Jesus. See, we were supposed to live in harmony together, aren't we, when we follow Jesus? Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, because throughout the first church, there was this huge emphasis on being together. These fellows were pretty extreme. They sold their property and lived together. If you really must, I will have a room for you. Uh, 
But these guys, these guys were so serious that they, they pooled their money to live together because they were facing persecution, because people hated them. They ate together. They worshiped together because they understood that they would not make it without each other. Throughout the first church, there's this great emphasis placed on that so that they could spread the, the gospel in a team effort. Not one of you is going to go everywhere in the world. Not every one of you is going to be able to go to every part, every neighborhood. i got to be honest, I'm a foreigner to the east side. I think I've been adopted, but I don't know everybody that Steve knows. I'm always amazed when Steve stands back there. There's a reason Steve is our, one of our, our final guy back there to meet new visitors because he knows just about everybody. If you live on the east side, I think you know Steve Corey somehow. I don't know how, but you know him. There's a reason why. But I want you to listen to Jesus' own words out of Matthew uh, 12, 49 and 50. He, he looked around and he told them, Who are my mother and my brother and my sisters? And my, you know, He says, Look around. There's my brothers. There's my mothers. And he says, There's my family. Because he knew that you would need each other. Hmm. It's not an easy road. I'm not going to lie to you guys. If I stood up here and told you it's an easy road, or you believe it's an easy road, you're on the wrong road. Let me just tell you right now. If you think this walk is easy, you're on the wrong road. Come see me this afterwards, because I'd like to straighten you out a little bit. Because you're on the wrong road. We need to fix your GPS. Finally, we have to trust that God has a plan for our lives what we endure, what we experience, what happens to us is not by happenstance. God has a plan. This, for most of us, is a really hard statement to accept. Nobody wants to have pain in their life. Persecution, for most of us, feels like a one-sided plan, and that only involves our pain. That's the only thing we can focus on. It's usually an uncomfortable experience when we experience it. It's hard to see any plan or purpose other than to break our will, right? But let me tell you, God has a plan. Because verse 4 says, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And let me tell you what Jesus said in Acts 1.8 again. I will send you to the entire world. Sometimes it takes a little bit of pain, it takes a little bit of a boot in the behind, if you will, to get us out of our comfort spots. Sometimes it takes a little bit of pressure to make a diamond. How about that? See, we look at Saul. Saul's chasing these guys around. None of us know what it's like to get chased around for our faith, do we? I mean, I had a few girls chase me around at church when I was young, but uh, I just think it's because I was good looking. But here Saul was chasing them out of the churches, out of their homes for what they believed. Not just their churches. He was chasing them out of their homes. How about that? That's, that's, that's a real form of persecution. But you know what, Paul, what, what Saul did? He actually drove them straight into God's plan. Drove them straight into that, which was teaching and spreading that good news. Here's the thing, guys. We have to embrace the mission over the persecution and the opposition. We need to look at this as an opportunity over the discomfort of the situation. I remember one of the biggest things I learned in the business world, and it was really a struggle for me to catch it because I would look at things and look at it as like, man, this is bad news. This is terrible. And somebody told me once, he said, Kelly, stop looking at it as it being the end of the world and look at this as an opportunity to improve. Look at this as an opportunity to get to the next part. Look at it as an opportunity to learn something new. Because God sees the big picture over just seeing the moment. He sees the moment, but he also sees the whole picture. And he's using these moments compiled together to refine us. He's using these pieces to make us stronger. He's making us better. He's pushing out his will. Because it's kind of like I said today, 
about worship. It's not about I. They understood. Jesus didn't say, you know, go and, and, and live a good life. He said, go out and spread the good news. He said, go out. And it looks different for all of us, right? These guys, I can't imagine what they thought when he said that to them. Like, I mean, most of us, what? Most of us probably had. They were like, hey, let me check the airline tickets. Whoa, look at the price of those suckers these days, right? You know, uh, well, I don't know if that ship goes over there. I don't know. But it took that persecution to run them out of their homes. And they ran for their lives to all the ends of the earth with his message. I don't know if any of this resounds with you. It's a hard concept in today's world, but Kelton's heard this his whole life. So forgive me for those of you who, who think this was being hard parenting. It's not all about you. It's not about you. Kelton's heard that probably since he was two years old. It's not about you. This is about God's purpose. That's what I was telling you about worship today. It's not about you. It's about him. When we trust the Father, our lives never fail to produce fruit in any situation. These guys are running around for their lives, and they're still producing fruit. They're still spreading the good news. Souls are getting saved because they're getting persecuted. Here's what Jeremiah, this is my life verse, by the way. For those of you who don't know it, this is my life verse. You'll find this in my house all over the place. Uh, there's even a, a, a spot on my arm for it uh, that reminds me of it daily. And it says, Jeremiah 17, 7, 8 says, Be blessed, but the blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that, <laughs> with roots, <laughs> with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. They stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Some of you are out here today, and I'm telling you, your roots run deep. Your roots run deep. Because he never fails. He never fails. Mm. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here because this whole level up piece is about being prepared. Kelton, if you want to. And we don't want you. I don't want you. The Father doesn't want you to be caught in an unprepared place for life. And because he wants your roots to run deep. If we follow this example that I've it's laid out for you today, I promise you. Your leaves will always be green. You'll always produce fruit. When we focus on that example, we can be prepared for what we face. I don't want us to live unprepared. We can... I'm just going to sum it up for you. Because we need to be, to be prepared, we have to have a dependence on the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. We have to spend time with him. We have to trust him to give us our purpose and our power. Get the I out of the church. Get the I out of your life. We have to stay focused on the eternal. Keep our eyes just like Stephen, focused on heaven, focused on Jesus. He was so full of the Holy Spirit that he saw Jesus. Hmm. Guys, we need each other. Steve, I need you. Our bond with one another is going to help hold us together. And we have to trust that God has a plan even through those difficult times through opposition, through persecution. God has a plan for your life because your roots run deep. You are meant to produce fruit. 
you're not producing fruit in your life right now, go back all the way to point A because you need the Holy Spirit. You need to focus your life on heaven rather than the things that are around you. You can, dis, you can handle a little bit of discomfort when your eyes are on heaven. Get with those around you to help lift you up. And trust him. Trust that God has that plan for you. You know, usually I, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I, I, I try to be really prepared, and I usually even write out the points of what my final prayer is going to be, right? I, I give myself a point. I'm like, God, and, and, he, and he didn't because he said, I'll, I'll tell you when, I, when, when you get there. And, and I think um, today, I think we're, we're going to, first off, I want to ask you, I don't, I'm not going to be in the hole. If you want to close your eyes, bow your head, go ahead. That's all right. If not, that's all right too. Because this is, I need you guys. And if I need you, I'm not ashamed. And, 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 and I want to first and foremost, if there is someone here who is struggling today and you are facing opposition in your life and you have heard this today and you say, man, I need the Holy Spirit to come into my life today. If that's you, I just want you to be bold. Raise your hand. Because we need each other. We need each other today. You need that Holy Spirit touch. You need that bat. Maybe you've never had it. And that's you. You say, I don't know where else to go. I need to lead a life that the GPS gets fixed. That's you. Yeah. I see, I, I'm seeing all these hands. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward today. And I'm going to ask some of my, our prayer team to come behind you. And if that's you, if you raise your hand, come on forward. Don't, see, this is that whole thing. If we need each other, we got to be bold. That first church was bold. They were, they were strong. They were together. They weren't afraid. Because they had one another. This and, and, and this morning, I have a whole room of people. If you say, if you say today, I just need some people in my life, I'm going to encourage you to come forward today. Because this is about praying prepared today. If you finally, maybe there's somebody in here, I don't know, who said, I need roots that run deep. I need the Father in my life. I've never accepted him before, or maybe, maybe I stepped away. But if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to accept Jesus into your heart today. If you say, whether it's the first time or whether it's the 30th time, I'm telling you, raise your hand. Don't miss out on this opportunity. No one here, let me be honest with you, everybody here has been there at some point. I think I've been down here a few times in my life. If that's you and you need that touch this morning, you need to accept Jesus into your heart, man, just come on down.